Hi guys. So why are you here? See what's gonna happen next. See what's gonna happen next. I love that. Me too. And how? Who else? Why are you guys here? What brings you out tonight? Or particularly in the wise guy piece? These guys are you in or Okay, good. Welcome. Why are you guys here? Uh, yeah. Been in discipleship relationships and uh, all my adults. Awesome. And uh, I'm uh, ready to do it again. Awesome. Great. Uh, how many of you guys here, sitting here, are looking for someone to disciple you? Should be all of you. What's your question again? How many of you are looking for someone to disciple you? Okay. Always. Always. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> How many of you here are open, open to discipling some younger men? Okay. Great. This is this is really good. Um, as we launch into the fall season, I think we're just looking for a sample group of guys who can take the heart of this thing. And just be a connecting point. Um, Because we're doing a sign-up sheet, but um, that doesn't work real well. We're not doing an e-harmony service or matching service. But I think it is a new day. It is a different day than maybe something, this, this discussion. The principle is the same. The methodology may be a little different because of church culture, where we're at, what we're doing. Um, but ultimately, there's just... A lot of lonely guys. A lot of guys in isolation. Um, two weeks ago, my I, I was in the bowling alley, um, and I was my my daughter was there doing bowling, and the wa- mom was there, and so I, I knew him from school, um, but I didn't know him real well. Two days later, we get a call that the father of this teenage girl tried to commit suicide. He's not a believer. He completely has lost all hope, lost his job, um, or rather he's very unemployed. Um, He's $50,000 in credit card debt. He's a month behind on his mortgage. And he's just been holding a secret from his uh, family until finally the credit cards and debit cards didn't work anymore. And then he got to the end of his rope. And those are the circumstances that were enough to literally let this guy want to take his life. And we're just trying to find appropriate ways to help him. He may need some professional help. But at the same time, to find someone who can just simply walk alongside of a guy who's absolutely searching right now. And I literally hear stories like this almost every week. Being in the place that I am, that these are happening. And so part of this is just relationships. As we get to know one another and talk about it, it is creating the, creating the environment where this can happen, communicating the values, and then we begin modeling this thing. And that's, that's really what we're wanting to start with here. The format for the next six weeks is we're going to have five different men um, share from their experiences of what, what has worked, what hasn't worked, what, what they've learned, and, 
And so I hope that's a good, you know, experience. Maybe some of you guys would be open to sharing on that. The, the net is broken into 12 weeks, breaks exactly in the half at the retreat. And so the second half, we will either do discipleship or we'll do an emphasis on sonship. So for these next six weeks, we're just going to explore the topic. What does it look like to do discipleship? And if, if there were five or six relationships formed because of this group in meaningful relationships for a lifetime, this is really, this is my heart and passion. So I want to just... Um, I want to just take just a minute and talk about this subject biblically and then I just want to spend the rest of our time I want to just ask you guys and we'll just talk about this 2 Timothy right? that's where we go for discipleship 2 Timothy 2.2 anybody quote it? these things anyone know it? yeah alright anybody? Anybody? Second Timothy two two. And you know, word for word, but it's yeah. essentially the, these things that you have heard me yes. pass it on to others will pass it on to others and do that. That's exactly right. Yeah. Anyone want to read it for us? And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That's good. Uh, question. As you look at that text and read it, how many generations are represented there? How many? Well, how many number, numerically? Three. Close. These things you've heard from me. So who's the two? in that these things so it's Paul and Timothy right reliable men qualified to teach others in one little verse there are four generations represented and so just to suggest perspective on when I say the word discipleship it's not a 12 week course on fill in the blank studies to get through this program or this curriculum when you talk about four generations all the way down to great-grandchildren spiritually, this is a lifetime-long discussion. And we see it best modeled with family. And so that's so when Jesus says, go and make disciples, what does that look like? And Paul gives us the definition that it's to the fourth generation. That if you meet with a guy for a few times, that he gets to a place or he kind of accomplishes the goal of that one relationship really the fulfillment of that relationship is when he's taken on another guy and that other guy has taken on another guy and you're that committed to that level of depth that takes a long time and the whole thing speaks of relationship so when I say the word discipleship that's my view of that the problem is, is that that is such a foreign concept that we don't even know, I mean, we're like, when we say relationships, we think like Facebook friends, at least a lot of the people, right? So, um, if you go back, and, and I just encourage you to put eyes on this at home. Um, when These famous words for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, 
but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Timothy was wrestling with uh, his own discouragement, his own fear, the very thing I was just sharing a few moments ago. And Paul, his spiritual father, is exhorting him that that's not him, but rather than fear, I see a man who's filled because of the Spirit of God, and he speaks that blessing over him. And so when we meet in discipleship relationships, and we may not call it discipleship, we're just a friend. But as we move into, that's really what we're doing, is we're listening for lies that I feel like a man of timidity and fear. No, 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 no. Because of the power of God, you, you stand in the gap and be a man of courage and speak. No, no, no. You are a man of courage. You are a man of power and love and a sound mind. Because that's... So, if you continue reading, there's a little word in here I'd like you to just do maybe a little Bible study on. It's the word guard. When I say the word guard, biblically, where does your mind go to? What do you think about? Yeah. Heart and mind. Yeah. Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So now let's connect this with what Paul is saying. This is in the middle of this, God's not give us a spirit of timidity. And then a few verses later, for these things you've heard from me and trust. So it's like what he's saying and then how to say it. And in the middle of this we see these words um, that um, he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. Um, that word guard in First Timothy at the end of the chapter he uses that same word in two separate letters. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and so on. He, Paul actually uses the word guard like three or four times in the two letters. Because Timothy has something special. And that, so when we hear the words or read the words, fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. It's for the edification of others. And so when you have someone speak that over you, they see something in you. And it's this little, little bitty glimmer of a flame and all of a sudden, Jack comes along and says, I see that. And he fans that thing into flame. All of a sudden, that guy comes alive. And what is that? And you see this guy takes off. It affects his marriage. It affects his work. It affects his family. It affects his attitude. The whole thing. But you're called and entrusted to see it and then fan that into flame. But that's the little heart that at the same time, you're called to call it out what is the gift of God inside of you? But then you're called to help guard that gift as well. And so tonight I just, what is the gift of God that's in you? What needs to be fanned into flame, fanned into flame inside of you? And then as, as we enter into this meeting of one-to-ones or one-to-twos, depending on what you're comfortable with, that we would be men that can see the gift of God in another and fan that into flame. So I just wanted to introduce the idea of discipleship biblically because Timothy is lo the letter of Timothy is loaded <laughs> with a lot of very practical instructions. And when you meet with a one-on-one -on -one with a guy, what do you do? 
What do you do? What gift of God do you see in another? And how do you fan that into flame, help him guard that, so that he can turn around and take these things you've heard from me and trust? That's the very thing that he's talking about. For his gift, Timothy's gift, because the Spirit of God has given him something, to let that fan into flame. So it's more than just going through a list of questions. But yet sometimes the questions are a tool. So I'd like to just make a statement that maybe you guys have heard, but you can't impart what you don't possess. And so to even enter into this conversation to say, I want it, but I have no idea what it looks like. Is there anyone here that resonates with that? Thank you for having the courage to say so. That's good. What I would... um, So, for the guys that are here that know what it looks like, when you've met one-on-one, what did you do? What did you do? What did you talk about? How long did you meet? What What did it look like? Was he more like a spiritual father for you? Or was he just kind of an older friend, brother, who helped you through a tough time when the time was over? And what did, what did it look like? Anyone, has anyone had a, a one-on-one discipleship type experience? And what did it look like? Yes, what, this, what it uh, looks like is that you've got to be able to get the conversation going yeah. and let that person talk. And then whatever they say, apply the principles uh, scriptures and let that guy talk mm. so you can find out what what the issue is yeah and once you do find out what the real issue is then you can start helping yeah and that may take a while it does because uh, of a lack of trust it may take one two three times to meet so it's not a an automatic thing that's right that's that's good, Gary. So, what else? What else works? I think we, <clears throat> we got to understand that God is a father and he is always mentoring us. Yes. And sometimes our mentors are our tormentors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting that King David called Saul his father. You never really read of David calling Jesse his father. No. He called Saul his father, and yet Saul was his greatest tormentor. And sometimes we run into people, our bosses at work, or situations in their life where somebody is just really taking advantage or whatever, which is what was happening in the life of David. But God was mentoring David through Saul on how not to be king. And so, so it was like a negative mentor, in a way. Yeah, and... So mentoring is really God's work. He's a father. He is fathering us. And fathering involves correction and discipline, as well as edification and blessing. The other thing I would add to that is, is for me personally, some of my greatest mentors are dead. Uh, One of the most marvelous things about our modern society is we can read. (laughs) We're literate. Yeah. And we can buy books. Uh, for me, Watchman Nee, I, I read close to 50 of his books. Mm-hmm. To me, he, would, he mentored me, but he's, he's been dead since the 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, sometimes if you're looking for somebody to mentor you, 
sometimes maybe that mentor is going to be in a paperback or a hardback. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's an ancient father of the church. Um, so I'm not sure. We don't really have a culture that's really that conducive to mentoring because in our modern society, we're very horizontal. If you ever read Robert Wise's book, Sibling Society, he describes a situation where we have no vertical relationships where someone is considered to be an elder. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you get a group of people together, whether it's men or women or whatever, everybody's opinion is equal. Yeah, I... Uh... But in God's kingdom, not everybody's opinion is equal. In God's kingdom, the older and elder among you, the Bible says let the older teach the younger, that the, that the younger are to submit to the older. We don't really have a culture that's designed around any kind of mentorship. So, I don't know if it's difficult for one-on-one -on -one or one in even small groups to even function. And if you're fortunate to have a situation like that, you're really fortunate. And, and a lot of times, ministry happens out of that. That's right. When I heard, I don't know if you guys heard the guy preach that that uh, he started out as a, he wanted to be in ministry and, and they put him in this church and he didn't do anything. And at first they, they said he was going to preach, so he got a suit and he ended up teaching, teaching boys. I don't know if you heard that story, but that pastor fathered him into the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so what we're really minis what we're really missing is fathering. Even, not just in families, but on a, on a church level, fathers. But we don't have mm. a, a society or a concept that really allows somebody to come over us mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know what, I submit to your correction. Because a real mentor has the ability to make it hurt. If it doesn't hurt, it's not really mentor. It's good. That's... No, no, that's good feedback. So, I mean, I've only got eight thoughts on that because you hit on some pretty big stuff. So, um, I'm going to pick. Jack, would you respond to that or share? In my situations, yeah, over my life and time that I've, you know, some guys come alongside me. For me, it was, you know, number one, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt you or he has me to just say something and not overtly religious or anything. The most current thing with Maddie, uh, the very one of the very first things that took asked me if he had a home church hmm. after he moved here. And but maybe by my lifestyle or something, but when he got in trouble he came to me. But I think the biggest thing for me anyway is making the time to talk to somebody. Yeah. We, we, we we're just so geared. Go 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 go. And going through some old, some stuff of my own here, and I can easily use that excuse. Maddie, I don't have time. But it just this summer, just amazing. Mm -hmm. And what's so neat about the situation situation with Maddie and his wife? is it reignited in me mm. the calling God has on my life and all of our lives and that's to go preach the gospel we, we need to be bringing others into Christ and helping others 
And so, so often as men, we don't make the time to help that because mm -hmm. if we listen to the Lord and look around us, at arm's reach, there's somebody that needs help. That's right. How many of you guys need are here tonight because you need help? Right there. Okay. Who else? Yep. No, you're okay. So, all right, so three guys, four, 